So, but I do, I want to get back to, to... I'm hard to wrangle, I know. No, it's all good. We're going to keep... What, are the others like in. that? Not quite. Okay. You're special. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? It's because you died at birth. <laughs> Hello, this is No Big Deal, a podcast where I talk to people, and that's all you need to know about it. This conversation is with Eddie Rivera, aka Ed Riv, aka Banana. We spoke in his community space in Chicago called Yolanda, which now no longer exists. For the same reason most DIY spaces have ceased to exist, gentrification. Uh, Eddie had just given me my first tattoo. It was about two in the morning. Uh, and I was having allergy issues, so I sound pretty weird on this one. Pretty nasally, too. Picked up my Chicago accent again. Uh, so we talk about all that, we talk about the art form that is tattooing. The poison that is TV, the place we grew up, bullying, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, also, Eddie rolls and lights about 47 cigarettes throughout the interview, so when you hear that, that's what that is. Eddie's a funny and unique guy, and I hope you like our conversation, but if you don't, I'll never know. Eddie Rivera. I feel a little nervous. There's no reason for that. You've known me your whole life. That's true. The whole time. Just about. Mm-hmm. Are we on? We are on. It's recording. It's happening. I'm still crinkling around in here. You don't... <laughs> do I sound like I'm being... I know that my level's good. Yeah. Am I being weirdly whispery or something? Or no, no. I think you're nice and calm. Strained. Nope. Just right. I'll try to pull my... um Accent back just a 10% for posterity. Pros- do you have a problem with that? <laughs> with your accent? No, I'll let it bang. <laughs> did you beat your accent out of yourself in New York like I did? And then when you came back to the Midwest, it reared up again? Yeah, it was real important to me to not have it and work on and cultivate an East Coast accent at that time, which is very corny in hindsight. But I remember when we would talk to the deli guys, like go over an egg and cheese sandwich or something, you'd put it on a little... Yeah. The New York thing, just to be cool with them, because uh-huh. they're, so, they're so cool. Right, yeah. Or not. They could, te- they could tell right away. Thanks for letting me uh, tattoo you. I don't just say this to like imbue this event with meaning. I really mm-hmm. would not have wanted anyone else to do this, and I wanted it to... And not just because you're you, and I've known you for so long, but also because I wanted the tattoo to have you in it, and you're your artistic sensibility and and i'm flattered that i have uh, roused an interest in you because tattoos are uh i could really understand thinking they were that the tattoo stuff you see in the west is so often corny and uh, because of where we're from in indiana and the kind of there's a lot of tat a lot of tattoos from there that's sort of you know coming up saying all that and that stuff's bad a lot of the time right i think that would be I would go as far as to say I started so far away from what a tattoo could be and saw it so narrowed down to the worst, what I think the worst version of it is. Yeah. And I know that's cool and there's some history to that, like, you know, American Eagle, but I just, it was like Harley Davidson logo type stuff is yeah. how I, I saw a lot of yeah. it. Is and that how you saw it growing up? Like, is that what you were only exposed to too or were you seeing well, more? I think I was seeing more than some people. I think there was a lot of tattoos in my family amongst the uncles and I also know that for whatever reason there was certain things I gravitated towards and that was one of the things there's also like comic strips uh, maybe like comics and oh and then take off all my clothes and wandering in the cornfield completely nude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah there's a thread there and also we'll go there in a little bit though we'll... sure but but <laughs> no, but uh, it was but like the, the uncles, a lot of tattoos. But, you know, where we're from in Indiana has a really... Indiana itself has kind of a unique tattoo history. Um, for one, just like the they were Roy Boy tattoos I was seeing. And he's like a really interesting 
figure in tattoo, not just because we're like partial to him from geography, but like he had tigers that he kept. Can you break down who he is though? Because you say that so casually, and I I know that you know name, that, and I'm connected and in some way. And you do know that name, don't you? I do, but, but and you've seen Badlands around, or you've seen the Roy Boyd secondary shop, or whatever, you know. But those. I can't say I truly know what it means. Like, what is what's the deal? What is who is Roy Boy? Roy Boy Cooper was. Um, so he was like a, a Hoosier. I think he learned under Cliff Raven, who was like a famous uh, Chicago guy. Um, and it was at during the period that it was illegal in Indiana, from like 1963 to 1996, it was actually functioned as like speakeasy-style clubhouses and biker clubhouses. And, it got, and so Indiana particularly, there's um, a lot of it's hidden, but it's like, yeah, well, yeah, it's like a particularly underground, you know? And so it probably bleeds in even into like... You know, it's like, you know, like almost like maybe even like white power gangs or something out there, but certainly like the bikers, like the wor- worst bikers and stuff. And sure. Mom. Like derivatives of Hells Angels or something. But, yeah. But so that more 70s, you know, places 80s. you wouldn't want to fuck around, basically. Yeah. Um, and when they talk about tattoo shops, um, the reputation of them not being welcoming to like women or queers or something like, man, that's a really heavy dose of what that is. That's what they're talking about. Probably. But maybe I'm, you know, you. I'm saying that generalized. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was never there, but I know my sure. my uncle got tattooed a lot there. I was always real obsessed with all those tattoos. But when you say there, there was a shop that was like the headquarters of like what no. Roy Boy represented in, in Gary. Okay, Badlands. And so there, was, and that was after the White Flight and Gary sort of um, dissolving into yeah di- disrepair. Right. You know that's a. Why do you think it was that you were in a family of blue-collar workers drawn to drawing and just art in general and what like do you think that was something inside of you or do you think that got lit up by like seeing your uncle covered in these cool drawings and right and also uh, to come back to you running around naked in the cornfield you be you also being interested in like the other and the thing that you're not supposed to do. Like how much mm-hmm. of your interest in art was you sort of snubbing your non-artistic family in the same way that just being a bad kid was? Because you were a pretty bad kid too, yeah. right? Yeah. I was more, it was um, attention seeking, I think. And um, but yeah, I don't know why I did. It was, you're right. It's kind of to be, to do the contrary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sub- attracted to subversion. Always, from really, really young, from uh, as far back as I can remember. I remember talking to you about comics once, about how I just didn't, never understood the comics thing. It was never a part mm-hmm. of my life. I, just, I would look at them, and it just zero percent interested. Really, that's interesting. Never. It was, just, it was absolutely. I was um, drawing the comics, my own versions of them, before I was literate. So I would put text in the speech bubble instead of. Um, you know, I'd make up characters. I wish mm-hmm. I had some of those. That'd probably be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I would also make up script, like make. I was writing a letter, but it was. You know, I think a lot of other kids do that, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it was just. I was definitely gonna do that. Um, it wasn't but for you. It wasn't about like superheroes. It was about you know the the thing that you knew you weren't supposed to be reading, and that was like a big part of the experience, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I'm, I shouldn't. Be you know what, this. man? Off on that. Speaking of that, I think I do have to admit. I think. Um, Pornography is something that really influenced me in that way too. I was kind yeah. of exposed to it pretty young. My dad just had it around, hidden away, and I was sneaky because looking for shit all the time. Yeah, and looking um, for trouble. <laughs> yeah, looking for trouble, sure. And I, I remember just kind of figure out where they were, and would, and it was very regular to just pour over them, you know. And it's not like there was, there was I had some books, but not so much. And like that was something I spent really a lot of time looking at. Was really interested in. And to this day, I still make like erotic art. Um, interested in that, just, uh, despite kind of avoiding pornography use. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know obviously different. But yeah. Uh, so maybe that lit something up. My mom had an idea, because uh, she, I was born like, uh, not stillborn, but um, not breathing. Umbilical cord had choked me out. Oh really? Um, and the, I wasn't breathing, and my heart had stopped, and they resuscitated me. And, yanked me out and they were concerned about brain damage from the whole thing um so i really almost died the kind of like born dead brought back to life Aww. and she said and i always thought that's why you're like the way you are you know 
<laughs> Brain damage? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think that was the first thing that you got into that was like other and 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 roused the this I was bad side there of was you? Earlier, there was earlier. I, I hadn't thought about light, that in a while. What was lighting your There's characters and stuff fire. that'll pop up into your head, though, right? Like, yeah. the, the Crypt Keeper comes right into my head. Freddy Krueger does. Yeah. Um, the Crypt Keeper of Tales from the Crypt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that's a real image of my childhood, uh-huh. for sure. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. In general. Uh, I think the Bulls, uh, but particularly Rodman. And Rodman's a really big figure in my mind, because uh, I would have been, like, eight during the three-peat games, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, sure. Seven, eight, not seven, eight, nine, maybe. Yeah. Um, six, seven, eight, and uh, I remember thinking, I, I think I'm supposed to be interested in all these sports, and I'm just not. And I guess there's something wrong. You know, I didn't know know what the alternative was, like, but I want to do this. Yeah. And then the Bulls, it was too much. It pulled me in. That is pretty cool. That was cool. Everyone, yeah. yeah was there lot. was no escaping that. If and you lived me. around Chicago, the, well, I mean, the whole country was watching the Bulls. It mm-hmm. was like Michael Jackson. It was the, yeah. There wasn't so many other things to watch as there are now and so yeah. we all really focused on yeah. a few things back yeah. then and the and for me the main thing too was the bulls logo uh-huh. um, the intro with the music and no the, the logo the literally the bull head and just yeah draw, the actual I would image. memorize all these cartoon characters and i drew i drew the memory. bulls logo when i was a kid there yeah oh yeah but uh then rodman came along and i was very interested in the hair the piercings the tattoos um, but it struck me that I still didn't really care about watching the game itself. I just thought that he was on some shit that was kind of, uh, what's that all about? I hadn't quite seen, like, well, I definitely just hadn't seen a black dude with, uh, like, pink hair or something. So it was just pretty bizarro. So, I don't know. I, I feel like that kind of clicked something, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Bulls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and... Sorry. <laughs> it's a little weird to do this, though. Maybe if I took this off, I kind of know the levels. Okay. Yeah. No. Great. It is a little... That it's probably, distracting. You know, sure. It's a little distracting. Okay. Okay. So, I remember when I first met you, you were just drawing. I just knew you as someone who drew. Because oh, that's wow. how these things manifest themselves in high school, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, and, of course, there's this is all clouded, too. This is We live in a 70-year period in which all of these are completely clouded because none of us were really doing whatever we may have found almost immediately we were watching tv endless thousands and thousands of hours absolutely mad like sickening quantities of television that even you at that time knew yes. by the end of like a saturday by the end of sunday where you'd done it for eight or nine hours and you just knew like what am i doing something wasn't right and yeah. you hadn't been told you know sometimes your parents are like you need to cut that grass that was really the extent of it though you should mm-hmm. go outside i kind of want you to go outside probably you know and I'm thinking, like, my dad's, what, 35 at that point? Probably wants to jerk off or something. <laughs> <laughs> my age now. Or his son that won't go outside. Or, but also is just watching you waste away in front of the TV, and it's kind of a scary-looking thing. And mm-hmm. as someone who, yeah, maybe is doing that now or was doing that at that age, at least knew in, well, at least in my childhood, I was playing baseball 12 hours a day. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know I, yeah. I lived mm-hmm. outside, and my... <clears throat> kid is doing the exact opposite and something isn't right here yeah but not quite knowing how to say it and just converting that into work and us thinking yeah. from our end well, he just I wants me to work all I the time why is he being such a jerk yeah, yeah. But there was also a, uh so like i guess you know i was should have been finding something to work and indeed you know he's got like a shop out there and had i shown even i remember once he found a uh he got a free like a little mini bike like an italian mini bike and he's like, we'll figure out. And that was a thing that we did. Like a best kind of thing? Like, yeah, 10 or 11. Uh-huh. And we'd, we'd go get the parts, and we'd troubleshoot it. And, we'd, and I kind of learned how the motor worked at that time. And um, and it just worked for a little little bit, and it broke down. But it was such a so unpleasant of an experience because it really involved getting, like, fucking screamed at. And, like, what the fuck are you? You know, that kind Because of, that's just how. And, of course, that's because that is this, like, hot-tempered guy who walked into the mill at 17 and just at that point he'd been already in there for what would that be uh uh oh like 15 16 years something like that right and just like kind of emotionally stunted well, people and- from that generation who got those good factory jobs sure and like uh there's a lot of people our age now who are uh had a nice background but maybe a little damage from the television instead of 
uh, interaction, and then the uh, aggression, I guess. And just <laughs> <laughs> and just working what is for anyone an unreasonable number of hours in a yeah, loud, yeah. intense, kind of dangerous, unpleasant mm-hmm. job. And when I think about when I look back on the schedule my dad was running when we were kids before he got sort of evened out into days, yeah, it's I can't imagine it. I mean, I've I've had uh, you know a puppy on days when I'm super tired. I see my fuse blow sooner, yeah, with yeah. it than otherwise, and I have not worked, you know, three doubles in a row followed by you know three to elevens uh, followed and then yeah. straight into a morning shift. You yeah. Know? Like that, <laughs> that was a, not an uncommon schedule. Mm-hmm. Sure. And sure, you're getting paid real well and you have great benefits for your family. I mean, it's the best job you can get, period, with a yeah. lot of college education. But Well, now we see since those mills don't really widely hire anymore, except like, you know, and there's a lot of people living there now. There's that's, They have 40,000 people. They hire 200 people in a year. So I don't know what the number, I truly don't. So I don't, I shouldn't throw numbers out there. Sure, but no, it's tough to get in. And but like, if you list. didn't do that, what else do you do? And, and not, to, and you know, the, our town is new, unique in that it particularly tells the story of white flight and the, the plight of those scenarios where we can look to the next town over, which is like 98% brown or black and mo- mostly black and brown. Uh, and you can see it's like half emptied out and messed up. Uh, and then, so we know that a town can empty because of the people wanting to maintain that. So that's yeah. and then, but then also the place where everyone went is really just because there happen to be those jobs. There's nothing else there. It's like pretty far from the waterfront. It's like gross, ugly land. It's laid out like shit. Really, just a couple of highways then that subdivisions were being built off of. Yeah, and, and, so there's and exits. fast food chains. Yeah. So, but I do. I want to get back to to. I'm hard to wrangle, I know. No, it's all good. We're going to keep... What, are the others like that? Not quite. Okay. You're special. (laughs) (laughs) Always have been. It's because you you died at birth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do want to retake my question from earlier. Maybe it's not a question. It might just be a a comment and a prompt. But Mm -hmm. that I've watched you draw... And that was how I knew you to be as an artist. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, this person's artistic and he draws. Mm. Which, that got us into the TV rant, which was important because oh, that's... You're uh, really good to pull it back. Wow, that was a little <laughs> bit back. That's 80% of our, our childhood is the television. Yeah, yeah, it all goes back to that. <laughs> so, re- I mean, imagine how your brain would work if it, it hadn't been... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if it go hadn't ahead. been if it hadn't been hijacked. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> so... And that, so that's fair to, to spend some time on. But I do, um, and I do think that's why a lot of times, and be, also because you're a kid and you just don't know yet where you're headed with this thing that is your artistic outlet that you right. apparently need in one way or another. Uh-huh. But so it manifests itself as drawing in notebooks in school because what the hell else are you going to do? Yeah. You're sitting in that prison for six hours, you know, six yeah. hours a day. Yeah. It's more like nine. Yeah, actually. Plus, an, uh, and I was a rural, I was a cornfield kid, so it was a special rural bus. It was an, actually an hour on the bus as well. It's like 45 minutes. Really? Each way, yeah. Yeah, so you went to the same high school as us, but you lived pretty far out there. Yeah. Always. Uh-huh. You didn't even have neighbors. Right. Not pretty really. much, pretty much no neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was literally cornfields on all four sides of the homestead, which used you... to be the farmer's house. He sold the field to the farmer next door, and his house became the, uh, what do they call it, a gentleman's farm. Someone who just lives on the, which sounds fancy, but it just means it's a cheap house out in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> but you know what? I, uh, I didn't have any, never have had particular, I don't believe, particular skill in drawing. Um, I think anybody, if you just look at like prison art and stuff, you realize anybody, and those guys weren't doing fuck all before they went into prison for abusing other people, but or for doing nothing wrong at all. But. <laughs> Just as often, if not more often. But, yeah. but uh, so if you work at like something, that. it'll get good. And I do really good drawing sometimes, but it's not like some. There's other people who are touched with a, an essence that I simply just don't. Ha- and, and also, some people learn the tech very quick. That good techni- technique, mm-hmm. technical drawing, 
you know, they use the pencil and watch, and that also never clicked. I don't learn that. And it's just yeah. like, I'm not learning that. I just like to, you know, kind of like draw. Right. But what you do have is, yeah, and I don't think you're being falsely modest with that. You just didn't happen to be one of those people that picked it up and just did, just drew gorgeously and just understood yeah. the thing. But yeah. but yeah. you did work on it's just it. Just that I did. And you but... did get good at it. And you do have a, a connection to your subconscious that lets you flow and, and get into some some wildly artistic stuff. Cool. You have a style and you have your like oh, thanks. Your yeah, I, uh... outlook. But it's but it has a the bad side of it is that I can't um I have a hard time focusing. When I was younger it was the you know, maybe it's just the uh, AD, ADD is all that Coca-Cola or I, there was no Coca-Cola in the house Dr. Thunder uh, but you know Wildwood yeah which has caffeine in it by the yeah. way I was ha- and I was having you- six a day by the way and no water ever <laughs> sure. and so yeah and TV leads to ADD also I mean it's designed to just the amount of like Hershey's oh, chocolate yeah. syrup that I was consuming I think those were like 99 cents in the in the early 90s you know yeah. it's like pretty cheap and it was just every any time if you if you were to go to the grocery store and said i we need another one and i was just keep oh okay throw it in the buggy and it just always was hershey syrup i would drink it out of the um bottle straight out yeah wow yeah you you had quite a diet i i do remember you you were taking in a lot of calories per day for a kid uh-huh. and you and I see the from pic- what year to what year were you quite overweight? It started at just as a, at puberty, like literally in the same several months, and it, I didn't realize at first. And I can remember sitting in class or like in fifth grade, and kind of it was like summertime, and I just kind of noted like my belly was hanging over my my pants, and like tits were sagging, and, I, and it just struck me all at once. Oh, I'm kind of getting fat, and it was just like, and I hadn't, I was not physically aware in that way before that. Yeah. And I, and it was just that, it wasn't like, oh no, you know, the way you would now if you looked in the mirror and you're like, oh, I'm getting, I would put on five pounds. What the fuck? Sure. Yeah. Well, and we're hyper aware because we hyper-aware. both experienced this, this being yeah, fat at a too. pretty mm-hmm. critical time. Yeah. The sexual things are getting awakened, and there's suddenly this like rat yeah. race and this hierarchy of yeah. who looks good and who doesn't and what that means for you in the world like you start to learn this stuff and, yeah and yeah. how it works totally. and you're like oh i'm gonna be a little bit on the edge if i don't get then, this into gear and were you were you ever made fun of for that i i mm-hmm. somehow i don't know how i, I did this i just wasn't quite the right type of fat or there was always somebody fatter standing right next to me i don't know uh-huh. what it was but yeah i didn't I had my moments. I definitely yeah. got razzed here and there, uh-huh. and definitely in like gym class or something. But I never got bullied. I don't. Yeah. Except for when we. The, yeah. Except for you. <laughs> Except, for, Except for, me. for by you. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, as and you've apologized multiple times for sure. that, and I don't. And I probably did that to some extent because of all the bullying that I underwent and somewhere, you know, subconsciously I wanted to do it a little bit to somebody and I probably a few times have done that to people. Sure. Like Tony Komets who was like really I shouldn't use this guy's full name. He's a guy not. out there. Maybe not, yeah. Probably listens to the show. <laughs> uh, but but Well go be, ahead you know, and finish it. Hey Tiny, I drew another comic of you and I still have a folder full of comics of Tony Komets. Um, yeah. And they're cruel, and I would show them ultimate. And I remember Sean says uh, a friend of ours says uh, he would do them too because he was the sit. He was always drawing comics. I would be like, oh, he draws, yeah, okay. So that that was like the first friend I had. Actually, that yeah, I'll have to tell him that. That's a kind of interesting. I never had a friend before that that I drew with, but uh-huh. we we would do that. And then he's kind of, but he was kind of a little more nicer. And he, I don't really want to keep doing these comics. To him, Are you sure we should show him? And Tony looked over. And he said, and he said, I like it. <laughs> and, wow. But and Sean, but Sean's so wise. He said he's developed that as a mechanism to to deal with the picking you picking on him. You know. Wow, what grade is this? Uh, seven, sixth, seventh grade. Sean, yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, and I and I mean both grades because it went on for a couple of years. Sure. And he would still do the comics anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. That's the cruelty you're capable of at mm-hmm. that age. You can see the whole picture and keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. 
So did oh man. So that was tough. When, so I got real. You had already been bullied by that time for being fat around. Yeah, you know, coming out of the advanced classes. But what I don't listen. Never here's really something. Talked, yeah. I don't. I I don't know if I told you this. Um, I was in the advanced classes starting in third grade. I think you were too. Yeah. Where they take you out of the regular Indiana. Oh, he's doing. He's, you know, the occasional I, real smart kid. I think at your time they called it, they still called it gifted and talented. Yeah. I was just talking to Pat about this. Yes. What um, the hell obscene. were they thinking? And we became the martyrs of the school. They changed we the were, name multiple times yeah. now. But it, and then it was and, Rise. Right. They which, switched it when I was in it to Rise. Uh-huh. And it's That's still what like, it was, called oh, when I was it. it was an acronym, but it's still kind of... Acronym that meant the same thing, but yeah. at least you weren't walking around saying, this kid is gifted and talented and you aren't. Watch well, it. If you're going to separate them, separate them out for different topics. Everyone is talented at something. Right. Unless you just want to go. This is for um, slave laborers bound for pri- the prison system in a, a literal pipeline where we. You just. It's just a giant half pipe w- so that you can't get out and we. Uh, <laughs> what would they drop in there for you? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I, I we mean, literally keep you in a pipe. <laughs> the other thing is that. Okay, so they pulled us aside. They make us get on a different bus, literally a short bus, which was re- yeah. also reserved for learning disabled people and had its own connotations and mm-hmm. its own bullying, yeah. you know, mechanism. Yeah. But from there, okay, you get into the other class, and what's the difference? Very little. They were doing. They did went through all of this mm-hmm. and set very these little kids really. up to be bullied and separated and feel different, only to then have you like. Well, we're going to read an extra book this semester, and we're going to look at uh, three more spelling words per week. Or yeah. Some, you know? It's yeah. Just... Yeah, totally. It's not like, uh, yeah, um, nothing notable that was different. And sometimes it seemed like, so it was our class, but then there were a couple other classes of the norms, you know? And sometimes it seemed like they were having a really a better time. And I was in there with three or four people like myself who... I still kind of know, and they're still, you know, like, funny nerds. You probably would have found them anyway. And there was probably two-thirds, like, kind of this mix of autism, um, kind of rich people, probably the doctor's kids or something, where they, you know, every town has a doctor. So some, you know, kind of richer kids, maybe. Um, And then the occasional religious freak, because the parents, and really just kids whose parents for good or bad we're giving them more attention I, I, i'm not sure we were mm. so a lot of those people ended up drug addict i mean there's there, just the difference was there's no difference really no. i think in theory Negligible. it would just be a, creating a cast almost it's sick it's yeah. not what it should be at all no it shouldn't there be should a be a place for every person or they shouldn't be there because really they shouldn't be there in the, because it's bad anyway yeah so if you're gonna do it make it good and if there really is no place but there's no this fucking special god yeah unbelievable so do, did you get made fun of for being in the gifted and talented program? I just remember more a separation. Sure. Because I was kind of rowdy. So I wasn't going to get picked on too much, I don't think. I'm slick enough that, and funny enough, I was, I'm not like the uh, victim or something. It's just like little, there's little things I see as like bullied sections and just kind of being a little outcast when I was younger. So it would be, in elementary school, it was, um, it was like, Latino kind of stuff. So it was like you fucking you know spick, uh, dirty Mexican. The kids figure it out really young, yeah. which is weird. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like very light brown. I'm like, uh, my dad is brown, my mom is white, as you know, for the audience out there, uh-huh. at at home and abroad. Sure. Yeah, you do. You do read more or less Hispanic, but at the same time, there's there's nothing outwardly about your culture and how you've been raised or how you've gone through your yeah. life that really yeah i don't speak that. spanish right for example um although re- relate to the culture to some you know like halfway um just didn't speak almost any spanish growing yeah up, so did did it was that confusing to you to be made fun of for that while you didn't feel like it was, was weird particularly i remember the first time the big one i was really young like second grade um first there was a kid on the bus Chris McCormick or something, he uh, called me a spick and he spat on the back of my jacket. I got a new jacket, he hocked a loogie, and I told my mom, and uh, she calls the school. And then the next day the principal says, I heard you like to spit on, he called us both into the office, yeah. and he pulls it, I heard you like to spit on jackets, is that true, Chris? 
And uh, I'm just watching, also equally scared, really. And sure. he lets me watch because like, he kind of likes me, I guess. And um, he takes his jacket off the coat hook and holds it under his face. Why don't you spit on my jacket? Huh? What's the matter? And he started crying. <laughs> uh, no, and then he, he had said, you in there because he knew that added to the, the shame. Yeah, of he was it. like the famous principal who, of course, died of uh, cancer. And there's a mural on the wall of him. Everyone loved him. He was like truly a good man, that Is kind of thing. Mr. Prescott? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. central. He was so, a bit of a, yeah. Um, oh, and then Legend. he says, so, okay, well, you're crying now, huh? Well, you shouldn't spit on people. You two are going to be friends. You ride the bus together. You're friends now. You look out for each other. Shake hands. You know, that kind of thing. And then he was really nice to me just after that. And I thought, and then I had another. There's Ryan Henry. Um, this is zip forward, sixth, seventh grade. Uh, inevitably in gym class, he's like the little hillbilly guy. Heard, you know, he's like, uh, my, my family was a millionaire with Confederate money. We owned slaves. You know, that, and he'd moved, they'd moved up from Tennessee or something. You know, he's a little racist creep. And uh, fucking fat ass, get a bra, Rivera. Nice tits, Rivera. I could hear it ringing. And he was little, too. Uh, told you, you still hear his me. voice. Yeah. yeah, told you leave me alone, Ryan. And one day, literally just snapped, and I grabbed his head and slammed it against a brick wall. And as I did it, it hit so hard, it was like, you know, turned my stomach. Scared kind of thing. you. Yeah. yeah, it's still like almost one of the most violent things I've ever done. Yeah. And uh, by the next day, no one saw it. I was like, I'm going to get suspended. The next, Then the next day, hey, how's it going, man? We're friends. People are such creeps. <laughs> Oh, now we're friends. Uh-huh. People want uh, an enforcer, and they love law and yeah, rule. I'll right. bet that guy's a fucking cop now, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. He wanted nothing more <laughs> than to be checked, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, was probably looking for that at home and wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. And you, you checked him, yeah. You know, there was like, I don't mean to paint this picture of being endlessly racially bullied as a kid, but it happened several times. Oh, there was a fight, too. And the one interesting thing, it was that uh, another kind of like, Spick, he's fucking, you're a dirty Mexican. I'm not Mexican, I'm Por- I'm Puerto Rican. Um, and it turned into a fight, and we got caught, and I was taken. What age cr- is this? Um, second grade. Mm-hmm. So, well, and they said, what what happened? And I said, he's calling me a dirty, a dirty Mexican and a Spick. And I remember the teacher goes, oh, I see. Are you okay? Uh, are you hurt? I have uh, no idea how to deal with no. it. And she said, well, go ahead, wash your face, and we'll get back to class. And they did nothing at all. But I had fought him, and then there was no problem again. I don't, he was a kid in another class, but I don't, I don't even know what happened to him. Yeah, well, Probably nothing. That I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> you brought violence into the picture, and you ended the situation. We're just like, There's oh, a no. theme here. There's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. Violence probably, is the answer. All right, this, this pick's getting picked on. <laughs> Keep well, an eye on that. Well, sure, yeah, maybe. Back I, then? Sure. I think it's just that the teachers sometimes aren't, they're not trained for this stuff. They're not equipped for it. Not everyone can be Mr. Prescott. Yeah, sure. Uh, but, you know, I always felt pretty regular. Uh, well, I was like uh, outside. Well, maybe that's another prompt for becoming a subcultural person, though. To sure. always be a little bit outside. A little on the edge, right? The the most violent thing I've ever done was the maybe only time I was ever actually bullied, which was this kid giving me a hard time. So it was a combination of being about my mom and being about that I, well, also for the audience, I sort of look like I'm stoned. I have sort of droopy eyelids. Mm-hmm. One's like a little lower than the other, like kind of Tom York style. Mm-hmm. And so, but this is seventh grade probably, and he's really digging in uh, and just wants a reaction more than anything, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not giving it to him. I'm always ignoring him, just keep walking, whatever. And then... Of course, obviously, what happens when you do that, you snap. Yeah. Yeah. And I grabbed him by the backpack. And I don't know if you remember this, but we had, you know, (laughs) this was, like, controversial. But we were supposed to be having, like, carrying, like, seven or eight books around in our bag at any given time. We had these massive backpacks. All the kids had back problems and stuff. (laughs) And so he has this backpack that is... As to work deeper than he is, yeah. you know, it's it's massive, and I grabbed onto it and I swung him around, and now I'm in over my head, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't trying to do this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I swing him around and slam him into the lockers, and he makes contact, and that always sounds worse than it yeah. is, but even so, I, I it was pretty hard, you know, I yeah. really slammed him into it. 
to the point where I was, it turned my stomach. Like yeah. you said, I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get in a serious fight. I'm going to get suspended. My parents are going to be mad. You know, I wasn't yeah. doing bad things. This yeah. is scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hit him so hard and it was one of the, you know, everybody stops and looks and, and you're frozen. And he just kind of collected himself and walked the other way. And I walked the other way and he never talked to me again. Whoa. Um, so there's, I don't know. There's actually something to be said for that. It's just I know, like maybe because just as much as you want to be, say, uh, there's no hard, I have no hard and fast nonviolence rule, really. Yeah. As much as I have, uh, oh, I haven't been in a fight all year, like, uh, I said, like, no fighting people anymore. Mm-hmm. But in a few fights, it's like, because I got a big mouth, you know? Yeah. And, then, and it's really not me attacking people. It's like, I have a big mouth, and if I call somebody on some shit... So men will sometimes attack you. That's sure. all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but and this... then I have to defend myself. And then it's like, well, I could have kept my. So really, it's a discipline. And keep your fucking mouth shut a little more. You don't have to. Yeah, he didn't put his dog on a leash. Relax. Not not my problem. And it's part of it. it's the thrill seeking and impulsive behavior a little bit. Sure. I don't have as bad as some people, but you know. Well, we also have a sick sense of justice on these things. Yeah. I found myself yelling at people with unleashed dogs and, yes. and questioning what, why, why were you doing that? Yeah. Did you really have to be mm-hmm. like the crazy person in the neighborhood doing that just now? Were you ba- as bad in school as you were at home? You did some really truly bad things at home. It was playing with fire, yeah. yeah. And I was really attracted to the idea of smoking cigarettes, and would sneak them from really young, mm-hmm. seven or eight. Wow. Get my hand because he wanted to light it, wanted to play with it, yeah. smoke them. Uh, was looking for pornography from a pretty young age. Uh, Were you actually lighting things on fire in the house? Like, scaring? I burned. It was always these accidental fires. I'd be just playing with it, looking at it, wanted to burn things, um, make my own candles, make my own torches. I burned our family tent down. Uh, I set dad's. I was playing with candles behind the lazy boy. And then he reclined after um, he was fed his dinner and walked away without taking the plate to the sink or helping to clear anything. Uh, reclined in front of the television where he would stay for um, six hours until we finally, please, Edwin, go to sleep. You're snoring. Please. <laughs> what? And he reclined back with the candle, promptly fell asleep, and it slowly but surely heated up that material. And next thing you know, he's awakened, sitting in, a flaming, sitting in a flaming lazy boy. <laughs> And I had an Elvis baseball hat that I loved, and he grabbed it and beat out the fire. And I just knew when I, I ran out from my room where I, was hi- where I would hide out, you know. Mm. Uh, and I knew immediately what had happened. And I saw the hat was wrecked, and he, he uh, whipped me. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, well, now that's sacrilege. <laughs> but in that yeah. time, and you, he was raised I would whipped. get whipped for any time fire was involved because I think they were really worried I was going to kill everybody. Whipping oh, usually comes out of like true fear that you're gonna about to go down a yeah. a really rough path. Yeah. Um, I would do weird things like my sister was in the bathroom, and she turns on the water. She's, sitting at, she's younger, so she's really little. She's turned on the sink, and it's hot water. I knew it was quite hot. It was steaming hot. And she's just, you know, watching all the... She's kind of just, like, fucking around in there. And my mom's in the other end of the house. And I ran to my mom, and I said, Mommy, Mommy, the bathroom's on fire, and Amanda's in it. And she, oh, my God. And she bolted to the bathroom, and she found my sister just sitting at the sink. And uh, she could see there was enough steam. It was a tiny bathroom. There was steam coming out of the room, and I thought, that looks like smoke. And I ran. Uh-huh. And she smacked me across the face. She yep. was furious. Yeah. Yeah, you. I mean, you get. You said the worst thing you could say to a parent. You scared. Yeah. And there's some part of my brain that that is my logic a little bit is to do some. You know what I mean? You got a little hit off that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah. Do you remember meeting me? By any chance, I I vaguely remember meeting you. Was it at the Thurber's house? Yeah. Was it? uh, It's like maybe really vaguely. Their basement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we I feel a total peer to you, but at that age, I felt like you were younger than me well, because two years is a big deal. We're uh, like three years, and we're oh, talking about the difference between seventh grade and tenth grade. I think yeah, at that time. it's kind so, of you shouldn't have been around us. No, we should. There's no reason for you to have wanted to hang out with me. I think we wanted to hang out with you guys. Did you? Sure do you sometimes. remember feeling that way, or do you? Or was there ever a sense you'd go to see Mike? And you'd realize all the older boys were there and almost a sense of dread. 
I remember really liked hanging out with you guys. I no, there was zero sense of dread. I thought it was fun. I think even in the moments when you guys decided to to razz me a little bit and make fun of me, I never really felt. And you guys have all experienced, from what I can tell, serious guilt over that, yeah. which is like a little overblown because it was never. <laughs> As bad as you seem to perceive it now. I mean, yeah. maybe that says something about your intentions then. Maybe they were worse than they came across <laughs> as. But I never felt truly, like, bullied by you guys. Okay. I felt like, Good. you know, in some sick way, honestly, <laughs> I think I probably was taking it as part and parcel of, like, having older brother figures around. Because yeah. I always just wanted an older brother. Me too. I remember meeting Pat the first time and thinking... Oh Mike man, that must be wild. Yeah, yeah, this is cool. Like even if this guy doesn't like me that much, like he's there's a cool there's an older brother here. All you wanted to do is hang out with kids and do wild stuff, and we only got to hang out with with boys, <laughs> with other boys, and we only got to do it for a few hours. And but for them, we'd all go home, and they still just all the way into the night until his bedtime, and they could sneak out and keep doing fucked up stuff all the time. And I just thought that was amazing because I had a sister, but we just almost didn't interact at all. No, we, my sister and I were, there was, <laughs> she was from another planet as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. I, had, I wanted nothing to do with anything she was interested in mm -hmm. or her. I wanted nothing to do with that. We would either fight or the other person didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think. Until you go on vacation, on a family vacation, go to, we would go to see our grandparents in Florida, the whole family. And then all of a sudden, it's the only kid, and it's just like, all right, you want to um, you want to go uh, dig up bugs and kill them, or you know that, yeah, <laughs> or so whatever. There's a camaraderie. Hey, I was thinking we could start a fire back here if we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were those trips hard? They didn't speak English, and you didn't speak Spanish. Is that right? Grandma uh, had uh, good, good, not good English. Yeah, it was good English. Yeah. Did you, did, pretty have, pretty good. Have you ever had a tough she would time? She say she didn't, but it was decent. Uh huh. Um, this isn't a leading question to say that you should have a tough time with this. This is the experience of a lot of Hispanic Americans. But mm -hmm. did you ever have an identity crisis or think there's something I'm missing here? There's like a connection I'm supposed to be making. Why don't I? The um the language thing is a sore spot, which they would speak to me in Spanish as a kid, but they moved away upon grandfather's retirement. From the mill, which is how they ended up here, the steel mill would hire. Can you imagine the steel mill hiring entry-level positions, which people would kill for those jobs and sometimes wait 10, 11 years to take it uh, still as a like list. maintenance, really janitorial almost, like late or like labor, mm -hmm. um, just hard labor, not a language. This is somebody who went to school for two years uh, and then just became a farm labor. Didn't even like. I think he didn't get enough car till he was like 16 something crazy like that you know like no shoes out in the mountains and stuff yeah living in poverty yeah he would yeah. come seasonally for farm work and finally went to new york then to indiana for the mill you work for 30 years but where in, did he actually grow up it's like in the middle of puerto rico i don't remember the oh. town uh-huh okay um <laughs> but did you feel stuck between two identities or cultures like some people come out of this sort of um, mixed up bringing feeling or did you just were you just feeling white looking at the Puerto Rican thing and having some questions about it but feeling pretty secure and, and steady in your whiteness I thought the uh, Puerto Rican thing was cool that was the only cultural identity really that I associated with or you know like because the white side so my mom's it's not like it's a huge mix it's like recent immigrants in the last hundred years from Armenia and Italy, we have we know who came from where. Uh, each grandparent was full of one, you know, like one was Armenian, one was so it's kind of you could kind of like get a little taste of that too. And there is there's some Armenian Armenian being spoken on that side regularly, so that's interesting. But that felt removed, and the white side was cold, you know, like um, children are to be seen and not heard, uh, whereas a, and a Christmas would be the football game. The kids go, you go over there. Um, and not a lot of interaction even with each other in this particular family or um, whereas you go to the Puerto Rican Christmas is like salsa music and uh, bringing out maracas and dancing and stuff which was just like whoa that's a big difference you know <laughs> so just by but not so strongly of either because really it's just television isn't it 
Yeah, so, yeah. So everything's nobody's, skewed. We could try to talk about the stuff, but... Nobody's inflicting their culture on you, and you're not growing up in any strong yeah. cultural... Yeah, yeah. When, we, when we finally solve our white supremacy denial, we have to face up to 100... By that point, maybe 100 years worth of television damage, psychological damage, and straight-up massive brainwashing that it kind of, you know... I mean, like, if you spend a third of your waking time in front of a TV using your brain for that, then how are you a whole per? You know what I mean? So you're it's gonna a do McDonald's something. French fry brain. It's going to do something. It's gonna, yeah. yeah, it's going to do something is the point. Yeah. Um, so... But, so back it's not an thread. intense... It's not like an intense identity or anything like that. Sure. If anything, it was just one more little prompt to be a little more individualistic, hopefully, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so... I was also able to mix in a little better with the other. Um, there's this kind of thing happening through, starting in middle school of like kind of bad kids, and there would be like sometimes like Latino kids in there, boys that uh, probably some of them in prison now. Actually, I happen to know, but um, I was kind of ostracized at that. But I was getting really fat. I was kind of gross. You know, some kids are grosser than others. Maybe I was a little extra gross or some, or annoying or something. Mm. Um, but I was like, a kind of accepted, oh, Rivera, yeah, he's, we're the brown kids, this is the white side of this room, or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't relate to that either. Com- coming back to the, this thread of, of you sort of just finding your lane as an artist, I know that you were eyeing tattooing and thought it was cool but was there a fear there or a feeling of not being able to take that leap yes i knew what started i did a i did some poke tattoo pokes from 14 years old i was like really obsessed and i had this idea about it but i didn't think that um that was something for me i thought that was like something that your dad brought you into or something i thought it was like a family business kind of thing it just seems so totally totally other and closed which to some extent it was um although there's always a way really but um yeah so i put that aside and i at a certain point kind of just like you just went to college yeah but you and through college i would say through high school and college i feel like i watched you try everything you made films you made music. You made music uh-huh. videos for the music you made. You yeah. painted. You yeah, I did. You did I it all. Every form. Mm-hmm. Uh. And you sort of, and that. I mean, we could look at that as you just trying everything and just being an artist who's ready to dabble in it all, and th- and then wound up doing comics a lot in New mm-hmm. York in your late twenties. Or we could look at all of that as the road to coming back around to tattoos and feeling ready or being able to I really dive in. do see that in hindsight a lot. There was there was like tattoo element in all of that. Um, the characters would have tattoos. I, would, I was interested in designing that. And then in the meantime, I would get tattooed sporadically, but it was always, it was a money issue. Um, and... Uh, and the comics started, and the comics would be about literally just about tattoos and tattoo artists and tattoo shops, and it it was ju- it just grew on its own really, um, and I still had zero influence from any of the kind of like underground tattooing stuff that is happening. It's not like I met somebody that was oh shit they're doing that. Uh, it just kind of was. Finally, I thought maybe I could get uh, some old equipment online and put it together or something, and uh, start investigating. And I did, and I thought it was like the craziest thing that I just did that. And I'm, I'm going to start tattooing myself. What year is this? Um, this is like six years ago. Right. Not that long ago. Yeah. Um, maybe almost, maybe like seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was started real casual. But it was something I was, so, oh, so then I, if you but were. it was still dabbling. It wasn't like. Dabbling. After, okay, I've been trying everything and, and dancing around this, and those things were almost you could almost say distractions toward it, not that they don't have value mm-hmm. and that they weren't necessary, but mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be a tattoo artist. It wasn't like that, right? No, it was just another no. dabbling in another medium. Yeah, and I was playing music at that point, too, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought maybe I could enter into a lifestyle in which I was touring a lot. Well, I don't know. It's a, it's a kind of a while ago, but I was getting a little older and still doing this art stuff that doesn't pay very much, but I thought, well, maybe I could 
do comics until it finally just sort of turned into a thing. Or maybe I, and be, as well as like, maybe I could uh, get it, become a bartender and make more money so that I could, <laughs> which I did figure that part out, but uh, takes a little while to do that. But um, what's my point? Hmm. Just, just that uh, you'd gone on sort of a meandering path and then. Yeah, just I, the nature I, of me as a, that's the whole thing. And then also there was the whole hit the eject button on life to uh, marry a girl that I met and go live in England and just leave totally. And I did not want to come back. So the the kind of adult tale is also one of um, uh, trying to do all this stuff, but then kind of just like, I'm out of here. I've done it done it three times, actually, where I just like hit the eject, hit the eject button from Indiana to New York, New York to England, and then England to Chicago. Each time it was very abrupt, kind of like fed up. I'm out. See ya. Yeah. Um, and I probably I haven't now it's been a long time I haven't done that I probably won't do it again I think it's just those twenties those early twenties right? Sure, sorting things out. And do you feel like you really came into your own as an artist? Did you feel? Did you have a moment where you felt like it? This is a little bit of a leading question, but mm. where you felt like it clicked and you were like, okay, no, this is the thing, because it, it feels um, from the outside like your focus and your drive and your, everything ramped up. Yeah, it Once did, Once the tattoo right? thing started rolling. It sure did, really. I mean, I was always working at the comics, too, but... And this um, this is inspiring, because that's not... This isn't at 22 that this happened. This is more like 33. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about right. Maybe just a little earlier, but something like that. Um, which... Uh, there's a tattooer, Sam Stewart, where he went by the tattoo name Phil Sparrow from Chicago, who taught himself tattooing with a little help from, like, uh, uh, Amon Dietzel, I think, and uh, there's probably some other people, but basically just took it upon himself to learn tattooing in his 40s as, like, a poet and professor on the north side. He was a gay guy, um, but not a gay guy because there's no such thing as gay at this point. This is, like, 1956 or something. Uh and he so so it's just like so when gay actually just meant an illegal subversive person who started to get into leather punishments motorcycles tattoos and he and he was kind of in all that stuff um boy sailor boys and all that got a tattoo and he's like oh, i could probably i i draw i could do this um taught himself that became a tattoo artist so he could tattoo sailor boys that kind of thing um but he got into it quite late and that's like a, this famous guy and and i i actually um Found a copy of that. He had a biography on tattooing that he wrote, uh, "Bad Boys and Tough Tattoos," which is like way out of print. I found this copy of it. This looks interesting at the bookstore because uh, I'm always looking for ta- was looking for tattoo stuff then too. And I read it. I was like, "Oh, he started doing this late," and it just kind of struck. And that was a. I, and actually, I'm kind of re-remembering this now. That was like the the tipping point of like I'm gonna try to do that. Yeah, and that really cool. inspired me. It's like kind of a lucky find. It's like a real, and it's the book's worth like a hundred bucks. I got it for three dollars. Uh, it's just sitting there waiting for me. I just walked into the found this bookshop, used bookshop, um, and there it was. Like that looks wild, and I read it. And, uh, Pivotal moment. Yeah, it really truly was. And uh, man, that's wild to find something like that. So that's like kind of a magic talisman book. Yeah, and that's important in this time where we're fetishizing youth a little bit and we feel like yeah, people should yeah. have the things sorted out beyond their path and be doing amazing things at 21 and that's part of people's story a lot of the time oh mm-hmm. see what this kid did it happens in film and it happens yeah. in all their forms wow he's 20 and look what he's doing he's got this perspective that we, barely, of, we almost don't get yeah the cult of youth for sure mm-hmm. and the internet really fosters it because young people are like on a bat you know they got like um, untainted egos. It's not that it's an oversized ego. It's just they haven't collected all of the stigmas around all of their actions. You know, the more I learned about tattooing, my first thing with tattooing was like, oh, there's a tattoo convention too. I'm going to go to it. And I went and I go, I just got some equipment and I've been tattooing myself. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to learn. And it would be shut. You shouldn't be doing that. You need to get rid of it. You need to find an apprenticeship. You should be, don't even tell me about that. Hey, buddy, you better stop telling people that. Over and I was like, by the did Jack after a couple rows of like stopping at booths and saying, I was like, oh shit, or they just like kind of like literally just turn their head away, that kind of thing. It's kind of like really intensely cruel, 
because I thought I was just being precocious, you know. I thought they would, and it, like no one's ever found a, equipment like this and just went for it and just said, I just got, and it was like actually the worst thing you could possibly say to those guys, yeah. which, which, um, whatever, uh, that's how they want to roll, but I'm glad that I didn't stop doing it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the difference between the old guard and the new guard of tattooing, though, isn't it? I mean, they, they saw it. And and with reason, it's not out of oh, yeah, line totally. for them to feel that way, right? I, I mean, think it's with deeper reason than a lot of the kind of butthead guys that are really out there that, that the new younger people would complain about or female people or something be like, um, they feel unwelcome and these fucking white guys are holding this down and making a bunch of bullshit anyway. It's all, you know, it's like only certain... Uh, the, the craft is so respected and cherished that they wouldn't like the idea of this kid just grabbing some equipment doing this and running around talking about it. They yes. wanted you in oh, the yeah. structure, Sorry. Yeah. in the apprenticeship. Yeah, and what I now realize is that it's even more important to protect tattooing and respect it as like a magical blood ritual intrinsic to who we are as humans and forgot for um, 500 years. It's more important than they describe it as or realize, I think, most of the time. Possibly most of the time. Um, yeah, so you, you actually take it even more seriously than they did. For them, it was more just, this is our club, and d don't just yeah, be playing you around in it. As the presented initial, if you want to give somebody hepatitis, but... You know, there's no such thing as 100% clean, and for them to tell you that they are doing it that way is not true. You just have to educate yourself and, like, become... You take the course, uh, you read up on it, and it's like, it's not rocket science, you just follow protocol. Anyone can easily observe the best practices health-wise. Yeah, it's not the craziest shit in the world, yeah. Um, and take hey, it seriously. Do you think that's more of an excuse for them? That's just... a, that's a, um, yeah, that's a, their first excuse, it sounds the but moving forward, I would very often hear th then, um, well, you're, I would sometimes hear like, um, you're, you're messing with my business, you know, this is my business, how I make a my family. And it's like, well, I'm just trying to make some art. I don't know about, I don't have any, I don't have a family, but, you know, I'm just trying to learn how to do some tattoos. Yeah. Uh, and then, it, and it's like, did you want to teach me? You know, <laughs> and of course you don't. And for that matter, I don't particularly get along with, like, a, a bunch of guys anyway. Um, the idea, like, hanging around with, like, five aggressive guys. It is a hyper-masculine culture with mm -hmm. a guy code and all that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that would be the same if it were some other form that I wanted to learn. I'd prefer to kind of do it on my own or and with some other people and do, and work, work together and trade information and stuff. Yeah. So, and so it's interesting, though, because you now on the other side of that... As someone who does this, does it well, does it regularly, mm -hmm. makes a living at it, you now are some version of them, although not just shutting it down in that way, but there yeah. are people who are getting into this, not quite re-educating themselves in the history, not quite respecting the culture and the history and the craft and... Sometimes writing off the... Um notable recent history of it mm -hmm. like a hundred years worth of really interesting uh folk art and tales and just kind of like sometimes vaguely lifting imagery from it or uh or certain aspects of it and at the same time saying fuck all that that's all and tattooing is older than that anyway and it's like yeah but um you have to kind of uh, take those people into account. It's really a lot of people, uh, a lot of history. And there was like a pretty young guy who said, um, we were talking about this, and he said he was tattooing. He's like doing stick and poke tattoos, like kind of cool, cool stuff, you know, cool, cool world stuff. They look all right. Um, and he said, like, uh, you know, I think artists deserve to make money. And this, and I started getting more serious and doing it more because. Um, I thought I, I should make money as an artist. Artists deserve to do that. And so I know that it's a bit competitive or whatever. And I was thinking, you deserve to make money doing fun stuff while the others around... And that's just a core question that I... But the idea, like, well, I deserve to make money. Yeah, get a job at the water company and do good, some good work for the city. Or work as an honest local politician. You're a smart person from... You know, and these are people with, like, expensive degrees and stuff, too. And I have an expensive degree, don't get me wrong, but it was kind of a misguided direction where I got a studio art degree, and it's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> but um But but the idea you're saying that uh this this, work, I, this inherent idea that you are owed a, a living yeah. that you can make through your art like that you get to along with so many other people draw in the cave wall. I should be doing this. And not go hunt. And that's part I think of it that way probably from my Catholic background of being, you know, martyrdom and like, well, I should probably just be a laborer, which I maybe should be, I, I wouldn't mind just being a laborer too, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's just, um, this work is, should be for me and that work is for them. It's like, um, subconsciously, uh, classist kind of thing from yeah. people who are actually from the upper white class so very often sure so i look at tattooing as different from some from where the most progressive edge of the quote-unquote left or something like that or young people might be the the tattooing is not at the edge of that tattooing is for everybody but it's traditionally is we have to accept it like it's for um an underclass or criminal element and uh so i think that you'd have to be open to those kind of people yeah in the actual act though of marking someone's body do you have lines that you draw that sort of define that is there something you would or wouldn't do is it important to you that it's your art exclusively um i i've been thinking about that a lot lately too well if somebody comes to me to be tattooed I think it's really makes me feel uh, proud that I can facilitate them uh, realizing something from their imagination and I can provide the service through my artistic skill. Um, whereas I think a lot of young, kind of like cool on the internet tattooers of this newest thing that's happening, um, I only do flash. I only do this one certain thing. I don't use a shader. I would only use the liner for it this is what i it's more like so so the difference being someone would come to me to realize their idea and they may come to somebody like that to have the artist express themselves their ideas on the client directly. express their idea yeah exactly yeah so you seem to be more or less accepting of that though but just that it's it, they're, like they're, there's room for everything maybe is i'm I uh I don't get me wrong. I can definitely look at some of that stuff. Not everything's good. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if you look at tons of tattoos and you're really interested in it. Sure. But I try to tell. So so you know I could I could kind of like be critical of it maybe sometimes because it's not all good. But um, I tell myself that ultimately it is good for society to re-tattoo the world. Um, that tattooing needs to be redefined and whatever it's still no man's land and guess what that is in tandem with this world being intellectually a no man's land with no proper ideology and we've like almost totally destroyed ourselves like almost like people feel like we're living in end times uh, more than they have and they have in the past too very often every 20 or 30 years it gets bigger and bigger but this is different maybe maybe yeah, yeah. I think that our sense of reality and truth and language is being like broken down and changed mm -hmm. and there's nothing in place to it for it to turn into it's just a fucking mess right now yeah and i don't know what that will be but yeah there's not really a bootstrap to get us out of the this hole we're digging mm -hmm. the existential hole we mm -hmm. seem to be digging ourselves if if there's one thing that people should come away with if there's one thing you want people to know about it or one way you want them to think about it that maybe they aren't right now, is is there something? I think uh, you should really be active in your uh, selection, in, in your tattoo process, and don't base it around your phone. Tattoos, I don't think they look that good on a phone screen. It's making people want tiny tattoos, and it doesn't make sense. They don't look great when they heal, um, and it's corny and kind of goofy, and uh, and uh, it's not necessarily people don't realize. It, but I feel like over time they'll they'll they will. You know, it's like, this doesn't look that good anymore. Yeah. That's really tiny, and you have all this space around it. You should have put a big. You should have really done it. You know. Uh, but they're looking on their phone screens. Everything's tiny. Imagine a world without the phone where you had to like seek out this weird hidden art that might even be illegal and you really wanted it that bad. And and just try to keep that in mind a little. Obviously, you have to go online to look at the stuff up now. But 
in that get to know them and look at their physical art and uh, it's an interactive process people uh, find this shit on the internet like a picture it's the first Google search image and it's like that's just not original enough you should uh, you can just say the word cardinal bird and I could draw it you know <laughs> and I have like old cool books and reference but but people will bring the exact thing and that's the phone thing again yeah well thank you I think this is a good place to end how okay. do you feel do you feel you got yeah. everything out you wanted to get out I couldn't prattle on anymore no yeah. I couldn't listen to it anymore <laughs> well thank you for doing it I do appreciate it it yeah. is a little bit exhausting check out my work on uh, dannyrodriguez.net mm. I got a blog spot going uh <laughs> I collect cheetah prints I find when I, I love shopping for things. <laughs>